Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called Encourage, Disciple, and Challenge the People of God. Today is August the 9th, 2021, and we are going to continue our study through the book of Galatians. Last time we were together, we got down to Galatians chapter 3, verse number 19. But just for a little bit of context, let's back up, start reading in verse number 15, and then I'll pick up in commentary on verse number 19. Brethren, I speak after the men of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore, then serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions until the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. So, so if the covenant had nothing to do with the law, why was the law later given? The, the covenant that was made to Abraham was given 430 years prior to the giving of the law. So if the covenant has nothing to do with the law, why was the law later given? His answer is, it was added because of transgressions. That's speaking of Israel's transgressions. It was added because of transgressions until the seed should come. And of course, we've already established that the seed that should come would be Christ, to whom the promise was made. The promise was made to him, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. In other words, the angels, the heavenly beings, were present at the giving um, of, of the law. Uh, they were there. So again, added because of transgressions, obviously speaking of Israel's transgressions. So the law was given to preserve, if you will, the nation until Christ should come to whom the promise was made. So the law was given to preserve the nation. That's not hard to think about or hard to accept. I mean, imagine living in a lawless society. I mean, what happens in a lawless society? I, I guess you end up with Chicago. You know, I mean, laws are meant for preservation. The law was given to the nation of Israel to preserve the nation of Israel, to preserve the nation until the seed should come. And, of course, we've already established not of many seeds, but of one seed, that's speaking of Christ himself. So the law was to keep the nation together until Christ should come to whom the promise was made. So the law was to serve as a guide to preserve the nation, and it says that it was ordained by angels. Uh, and of course, all that speaking of is the fact that they were present at the giving of the law and in the hand of the mediator. And this is where we get into new territory. In verse number 20, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. So who is the mediator? Well, the mediator between God and the nation of Israel at the giving of the law was Moses himself. Moses was the mediator. 
He is now now a mediator, not of one, but God is one. In other words, there are two parties required for a mediation. In this case, the party was God and the nation of Israel, and Moses was the mediator. He was the go-between. He was the arbiter. He was the one that stood between God and the nation of Israel. Now, in context, I believe that the verse is pointing out the difference between the giving of the law, which required Moses as the mediator, and the giving of the covenant, which God mediated on his own with Abraham. There was nothing between God and Abraham when he gave the promise of the covenant to Abraham. Then notice verse number 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. The question is, does the law set aside the promises that God made to Abraham 430 years prior? And the answer is no. Neither one cancels out the other. Instead, they have to be viewed as running parallel. One does not trump the other, but they are different. The law could not give life. He says, for if it could, it would have replaced the promise. That promise that was made to Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant 430 years before. So is the law then against the promises? Is the law that was given to Moses against the promises that was given to Abraham? God forbid. For if there had been a law given that could have given life, Verily, righteousness should have been by the law. So, and we see that in the New Testament. The law doesn't give life. The law makes you aware of your sin. The law kills. And then notice verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded, all are under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So instead, When it says, but the scripture hath concluded all are under sin, that can be better translated, but the law hath concluded that all are under sin. The law makes us all sinners. The law makes us aware of our sin. Paul said, I was alive until I saw the law, and then I I died. So the law has made it abundantly clear that we are all under sin. And understand, when he's talking all there under sin, he's referring to both Jew and Gentile. We are all under sin. And notice that the faith was first that of Christ, and we merely believe in that faith with our own. So look at the verse. But the law has concluded, the law has proven conclusively that we are all under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So the faith that was first of Christ, it was Christ had the faith first. It was his faith that allowed for my faith. If Christ had not exercised faith, I would not be given the opportunity to exercise faith. Verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. In other words, 
the purpose of the law was to keep the nation shut up unto the faith which would afterwards be revealed in and through Jesus Christ. So the term shut up unto the faith can also be translated um, imprisoned or confined. In other words, they were controlled by the law until Christ came. They were under the law until Christ came. It was the faith. It was the faith that made it possible. It was the faith of Christ that made it possible. Anyone who teaches that everyone has always been saved by grace through faith is confused. Now, I got to admit, in my early years of ministry, I did that. I taught, I taught that even the Old Testament saints were saved by grace through faith. They were saved looking forward to the cross as we are saved by faith looking back at the cross. They did not know the cross. <laughs> Abraham had no idea. I mean, of course, I can't get into Abraham's head, but they were saved uh, not by the same faith that you and I are saved. They, the nation of Israel, were incapable of this kind of faith because it says here that it had been shut up to them until Christ came. It was shut up to them until Christ came. And in verse 24, wherefore then the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified, how? By faith. Obviously, this verse is dispensational because they were not justified by faith previously, but now they are or can be justified by faith currently. The law was the nation's schoolmaster which was given to point them to Christ so that they might be justified by faith. So, again, this is one of the most misunderstood verses in all of the Bible because we fail to recognize the personal pronouns. And I've harped on this over and over and over again because we fail to recognize that the our in this verse, the we in this verse, is referring to the nation of Israel. It's not referring to the body of Christ. Read the verse again. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster, our being the nation of Israel, to bring us, the nation, unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The body of Christ has never been kept under the law. See back in verse 23, uh, he says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. The we there is not referring to the body of Christ. The we there is referring to the nation of Israel. It was the nation of Israel that was kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which would after be revealed to them through and in Jesus Christ. So, 
The body of Christ has never been kept under faith. The law was given to the nation to bring them to Christ so that they could be justified by faith. There's no other way to see that verse but as a dispensational verse. God dealt with Israel one way then, he's dealing with one with offering he's dealing with Israel in another way now. Now notice verse 25, but after that faith has come, we, the nation of Israel, are no longer under a schoolmaster. The faith that was to come was through Christ, and the law was no longer their schoolmaster. Again, the law was simply given to point them to Christ, to preserve them to Christ. So obviously the faith was not prior to Christ. Now notice verse 26. For ye are all the children of God. Now notice the pronoun change now. We're going from we and our to ye. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He changes from the first person plural to the second person plural. Paul is now referring to the Galatians, which were both Jew and Gentile. We are all, we are both now justified by faith. All of them must come by faith in Christ and not the law. By their faith, they had been baptized into Christ and had put on Christ apart from the law. And again, that baptism there has nothing to do with water. But by simple faith, the same faith that Abraham exercised at the giving of the covenant, they had been baptized into Christ and had put on Christ apart from the law. So, look in verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek now. There is neither bond nor free now. There is neither male nor female now. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Notice the ye there again. It's referring to both Jew and Gentile. Now there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no difference. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male or female. But all are one in Christ Jesus. He's speaking of the body of Christ. We are all now one in Christ Jesus. How can you not be a dispensationalist after reading a verse like this? Under the law, there was Jew and Greek. Under the law, there was bond and free. Under the law, there was male and female. But not now. Now there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. God bless you guys. Next time we'll pick up in verse number 29. Hope you have a great day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.